Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I'm going to keep this short, and we'll call this the official end of the Thought Life series. And I've gotten just really great input and testimonies and feedback from it. You know, it really is the hardest thing to do, uh, change the way that you think. And I so appreciated, Steve, what you were saying that, um, you know, during this process of getting the news of job loss and then you got, and, and it's a process. You got to wrangle your thoughts. You got to deal with that stuff. And, and it's not just that, you know, the, the thing I love about that testimony is, yeah, you got the job. Praise God. But in the meantime, the peace that you were able to connect to because of your confidence in the Holy Spirit, but you feeding on the Word of God, knowing His character and knowing what to do, knowing to go to the Scripture and fill your mind, be spiritually minded so that that's the hope, that's your expectation. I, I love that. The, honestly, as a pastor, I, that's like one of my favorite testimonies that somebody in the midst of a stressful situation was able to go to the Word of God and feed on it and have peace, regardless of the outcome, but we praise God for the outcome. Amen? It's, it's just, I, re, I really love that. And this whole series has really been a, around that idea. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7, the first part, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we've gone through lots of um, illustrations and examples, how to bring your thoughts captive, you know, the, the spiritual element of it. But it's, pre, it's a pretty basic idea. What you think is what shapes your choices. But we're making the distinction between the thoughts of your mind and the thoughts that roll around in our soul and the emotions and the feelings that we have. There's a distinction between your intellectual, more conscious thoughts and the deeper thoughts of your heart. We know that it's with the heart that we believe. So your beliefs are more associated with your heart. And as we see here, your heart thinks. And when your heart thinks, it thinks deeper, more in alignment with your beliefs, and specifically your beliefs about your identity and who God is. So when your heart's thinking, or when you're living out of this new heart that God has given you, you're living from this perspective where every thought is swayed by who am I in this moment? What does this mean for me? What am I qualified for? What am I not qualified for? What can I have? What can I not have? And, and oftentimes, if you're in a situation where even, let's say, on the other end of it, you've got this great opportunity that comes up, but yet you don't know if you can step into the moment and kind of own the moment, and you have these destructive beliefs about yourself, even though in your mind you might be thinking, praise God, woohoo, blessing of God, I'm going to make more money, I'm going to have more whatever, you know, get this great job. But if you believe about yourself down in your heart that you only deserve to be at a certain level or you, you know, not really quite sure what God may or may not be doing, you know what I'm saying? Like you just have these lower level beliefs, deeper beliefs about yourself, that will override your conscious thinking. 
And we see that contradiction and that conflict in life all the time, especially around the promises of God, because we know what Jesus paid for, and we know what God's trying to bring us into, and in our minds we agree with it, but in our hearts, if we have a limiting belief, you, your, your heart will bring you back down to the level that you really believe. And so we have this self-portrait in our heart, for as, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, in general, your life is reflecting how you see yourself inwardly because ultimately it shapes the choices that you make, what you allow yourself to have, what you don't allow yourself to have. Now, there's a lot of responsibility in that. And I pray that you take the, that responsibility from a place of rest. So even if you have beliefs in your heart that are not true, you'll still live those out. But here's what you have to do. You have to learn how to get a hold of your mind, get your heart settled so that you put on the new man and you start to actually live out of your deeper spiritual identity. I'll just throw this picture up. It's not, it's not let's say, spiritually, anatomically correct, can we say? Because I don't know how you think of the nature of a human being. You know, you might have concentric circles rather than linear circles. And if you're listening online, we've got spirit, soul, and body circles. Between the spirit and soul, there's a heart. And between the soul and the body, there's a brain. And kind of in the middle of that's mind. And it's all diagrammed out. There's, I, I've got one that's a lot more detailed than this. But just for the perspective of as you think in your heart. And so your heart is part spiritual, part soul. It's somehow new. God gave you a new heart. It's, it's the part where, and this is all scripture. If you go back and you look at what's going on in your heart, that's where God pours his grace. That's where God pours his light. That's where God pours his love. And then as we looked in last week in Mark 4, and Matthew 13 also reflects it, but specifically Mark 4, you have influence over the realm of the heart. Now, your heart's not wicked and evil as it used to be before you got born again. But, and I'm not advocating that you should follow your heart. You should follow God. But you should make sure that your heart isn't full of doubt and clouds God's leading in your life. Are you with me? Because some people, it's popular. Well, you should just follow your heart. You know, if that's what you love, just follow it. Well, not if you love perversion. Not if your definition of love is not biblical. You don't just get to follow your heart. You follow the spirit of the living God, but you make sure your heart is in alignment with that because your heart and the beliefs of your heart are going to drive your behaviors, your thoughts, your choices, and everything else beyond that. It's like the gateway that you have to, it's like the soil in which the kingdom is trying to grow in your life and you have to tend it. Now, you don't got to make it better. It knows what to do. You just need to do the weeding of getting the doubt out, put the word in, and no matter what happens, you're going to choose to believe the word of God. And you're going to persuade yourself that what God says is true. That's with a promise or an area that you need to experience transformation. Let's say that you have a sin habit that's related to finances, gambling, or relational, whatever. Pick your sin, any sin, everybody's got a sin, whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever it may be. trying to figure out the best way to say it because <laughs> it's challenging. 
But the thing about it is, uh, it's up to you to sow into your thinking so that the seeds of the fruit of transformation in that area grow within, right? If you have a sin habit that you're struggling with, you can overcome it. But one of the ways that you overcome it is you don't entertain that issue inwardly so that it springs out and becomes part of your identity. Most of the sin habits that we hang on to are related to some sense of identity that you're struggling with. And oftentimes that stuff gets put in there because of your past, your trauma, the way that you think, things that were said to you, whatever. It's unfair often how the beliefs of our heart get written. But that's the soil in which you have to tend the garden. So today, let me just, I'm just going to, what we're going to do is we're going to read through 1 John 14, uh, 1 John 3, 14 through 23, because I have some good news. Uh, let me find it here. Oh, here we go. This is, this is the good news. God's greater than your heart. Say, God's greater than your heart. I'm not limited to my beliefs. God's greater than my heart. All right, so here's what's interesting about this. This is a passage that is soteriological, which means it has to do with salvation, but that's not the part that we're looking at today. In fact, you should remember that as you read through these passages that have scary-sounding scriptures in them, remember that earlier in this book, in this letter, he said, I'm writing these things so that you know your salvation is secure ultimately. And he says, and I pray that you don't sin. Say, don't sin. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. And remember that Christ is seated at the right hand. So in other words, don't sin. It's going to kill you. But if you do, remember Jesus already paid for it. Now, here's what happens. The legalist, pharisaical, Scripture hunter loses their ever-loving mind when you make that point. Don't sin, but if you do, remember Jesus already paid for it. Because what they hear is, well, you're just giving people a license to sin. Well, I got news for you. They're going to do it anyway. I don't have to give them a license. But what I'm trying to do is remove the guilt and the shame because shame, listen, I'm just telling you, Shame and guilt drives sinful behavior. Yep. Yep. If you have sin, if you have shame and guilt associated with a behavior, you have to experience the forgiveness of God in that area so that it no longer has power over you emotionally and you can actually choose a different future. Because grace is available. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. When you have the opportunity to sin, there's a lot more opportunity to choose grace. Grace being power to overcome that thing. Is that good news? Yes. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't feel guilty when you sin. Because that's what some people are. Well, you're just saying you shouldn't feel guilty. I'm saying is the guilt is a sign to change your behavior. Yes. But the power that you can change your behavior is the grace of God because you have been forgiven. It's just the gospel. It just really is the gospel. You're forgiven no matter what. Now, don't sin. But if you do, don't forget that you're forgiven and choose grace and live above it. That's the paradox that we live within. Now, if you hear, 
oh, they're giving people a license to sin, then, you know, whatever. That's, I can't do nothing for you. That's just where you're at. <laughs> so let's just read through the rest of this. And, and, I, and I, again, there's a lot said here, but here's the point that I want you to take out of this. And it's really the, the only point that I wanted to make with this particular selection. And, and it is you being free from the sense of condemnation from a heart level. And, and the promise of experiencing God's promises for you when you have confidence in your heart toward God. So you got to deal with your sin issue. Stop it. It's killing you. God doesn't like it. Everybody sees it. It's not cute. You know it's killing you. Why are you still messing with it? Stop it. It's bad. No good. Skull and crossbones. Don't do it. Amen. But if you do, ooh, man, those religious pharisaical devils love, they just hate that. They hate it. I just let it sink in for a minute. Anyway, the main thing that I want you to get out of this is how you interact with people affects the level of condemnation that you entertain in your heart. And the condemnation that you're experiencing in your heart is keeping you from experiencing the promises of God. And it's so fascinating because it sounds on the surface like uh, experiencing God's blessings is directly related to your behavior. And it is, but it's at a deeper level than the surface legalistic level. It's at a relational, deeper belief kind of kingdom responsibility level. So in other words, uh, if you love people and you love God, and then therefore you experience the promises of God, it's not because God says, good job, you loved somebody, now I'm going to answer your prayer. It's because loving them tunes your heart to be in alignment with God to allow what he's already always been trying to do to be built into your life. Are you with me? So in other words, it's not that you got to do the thing to get the blessing. But when you don't do the thing, it affects your heart in such a way that you're not going to let him flow through you because the condemnation that you walk in is constricting what the kingdom can do through you. That's why you got to stay out of sin. It's hardening your heart. It's killing you. You're going to heaven, but it's killing you. So that's what I want you to get out of this as we read through this. And Hans, if you would follow me through. Um, so we know that we've passed from death to life. Praise God. That's what they sang about this morning. Because we love the brethren. Isn't that interesting? The fact that you have love for your brother is evidence that you've passed from death to life. How do you know that you're saved? Well, I love that guy. <laughs> Are you with me? I mean, it's kind of... Man, we over-mysticize a lot of these things, but it's like, it's fruit-based. Oh, I could say so many things here. <clears throat> yes, salvation should produce fruit, but the evidence that you're saved is the fact that you have faith in Christ. Okay, so let's keep going. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Who, he who does not love his brother 
abides in death. However, sorry, whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Those are loaded statements. I'm not going to take the time to unpack that stuff. We're looking for something specific here. So by this, we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, that's what we're talking about. So how does this fit into the Thought Life series? Uh, it's your thoughts toward others, right? Like when you're out there living your life, or maybe people that have hurt you in your past, or people that are currently hurting you, your boss, your parents, whoever it is that you're doing life with that has an effect on your identity, and it may even be a, creating a sense of condemnation within you because, man, what they did is... And either you're angry about it or you're hurt by it and you don't know how to get past it. There's a sense of condemnation in there in that you either want them punished or you feel like you should be punished. Something's not right. There's this justice thing going on on the inside there that you're not able to look at them and let them go and love them. And the fact that you can love them is the, fact that, is the evidence that you're saved. And so this is what he's talking about. He's talking about because of what Jesus did for us, we can actually love one another. But it's in your thoughts of whether or not you can actually live that way or not. Now, again, I'm bringing it down to the effect of whether or not you can uh, let the love of Christ abide in you and love through you is directly related to what you will allow God to do through you. Your, where you are in your love toward God and others is a signal of the receptivity of your heart to allow God to work in your life. You may, and not from a legalistic perspective, but from a responsibility perspective of your heart being receptive to God's ways, God's word, God's logic. And God's logic is he lays down his life and dies for those who hate him. And then he expects us to do the same thing. Now, he's talking about loving in truth also. So that doesn't mean this love is love thing. It doesn't mean people just get to take advantage of you. And if people put a demand on you, then you've got to do it because the loving thing to do is bend. And we're not talking about codependency. We're not talking about, talking about healthy. So let's keep going. But whoever has this world's goods and, and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children... You know you're in trouble when he says this, my little children. <laughs> to me, I hear, like your middle name. <laughs> you dummies, but not really. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Just leave it there for just a second, verse 18. And in truth. That tag anchors love into truth, right? So, verse 19. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure... This is a huge, responsibility, a huge responsibility within your Christian life is to assure your heart before Him. That's what Steve did. He assured his heart of God's provision, of calmness 
and, and whatever else he looked at. That's, that's, that's how you do it. You assure your heart. You see the world. You see the circumstances. No matter how difficult or challenging, even over to what's going on in Gaza and all that kind of stuff, how can you assure your heart as it relates to that issue? How can you assure your heart as it relates to the diagnosis or the job loss or your children or whatever's happened to you in your past? How can you assure your heart? So, and we are sure, and, and by this we know that we're, it's, it's in, when you see the thread here, he's threading your capacity to love God and love people is a, is, a, is a sign of the receptivity of your heart and watch where he goes. Let's keep going. Verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God's greater than our heart, praise God, and knows all things, but watch this. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. I know you're still reading and you see that word commandment in there. <laughs> and I'll address that, you studious people. But just stop there for just a moment. Go back to verse 21 and just enjoy the promise. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Verse 20. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Now, how many of you are reading ahead and you see, because we keep His commandments and do those things, and don't go to 23 yet, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight, well, I've got to do the, I've got to do the commandments. Did you, did you read the rest of that? You're like, okay, well, now, now what do I got to do? Okay, well, it's not just as easy as having confidence toward God, Clint. Commandments. Don't you see it? Commandments. Verse 23. And this is his commandment. <laughs> that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded. You have confidence toward God when you keep His commandments. And oh, by the way, let me tell you what the commandments are. Believe and love. Now, that doesn't let you off the hook because it's almost easier to keep some rules than it is to believe and love, is it not? But when you believe on the authority of the one Jesus Christ, the living God-man, the Son of God, the King of kings, the authority of all authorities that became just like you, lived a perfect sinless life, qualified to be that sacrifice, died on the cross, took all the penalty of the curse of the law and bore your, bore your disease and then passed into the grave and conquered death. The faith of Jesus is stronger than death. Uh, I'm going to go into that in a message pretty soon, what Jesus was going through in the grave. He had to believe. He had to trust God in the grave. Now, some people have the perspective that he died and he was instantly victorious, but that's not what Scripture says. Scripture, if you look in the Psalms and all these passages, he went down there having died your death and had to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And he did it by being uh, faithful toward what God had promised would happen through him, that forever he'd be a priest after the order of Melchizedek and his enemies would be made his footstool. 
the faith of Christ is alive inside of you and the faith of Jesus is stronger than death. Do you believe that? When you believe that, you have confidence toward God. And then whatever you ask for, you experience. Well, this sounds like name it, claim it. I'm just talking about the stuff that Jesus paid for. I'm talking about the stuff that Jesus hung on that cross and exchanged natures with those who would believe in him and paid for legally for you to have. That's the stuff. Not just material stuff, but peace. Righteousness, joy. He paid for you to have that stuff. He gave it to you. Do you believe it? Because when you believe it, the other thing is it conditions you to love God, which also will condition you to love other people. So if you're having trouble getting your prayers answered, it's kind of almost like a very basic thing. Look, in, look at the condition of your relationships with people. If you're struggling having loving relationships with people, you're probably struggling experiencing God's provision and blessings in your life. Not because He's withholding it from you because you're not a nice person, but because it reflects the condition of your heart to be receptive to Him working in your life. And you can condition the soil of your heart to be more receptive to God's fruit and kingdom naturally growing into your life by, by intentionally walking in love toward people. It's really pretty basic and simple. Well, you know, I, I really like people. I just kind of like them better when they're not around. <laughs> I understand. You've been hurt. I get it. I get it. But you're probably also keeping God at a little bit of an arm's distance as well. You're probably also kind of wondering, mm, you know, i got my nice little corner over here. People are over there. God's over there. I'm right here. I'm going to be over there one day. I'm good. I get it. I understand. But it could be better than that. It really could be better than that. And nobody's going to jump in your bubble and fix it for you. It's you believing on the name of the Son causes you to then love Him we love him because he first loved us. What are you doing to take time to engage the word of God where it inspires you to just love him and trust him? What are you doing with what he's done that causes you to be emotional toward him and how he feels about you? Because it's related to you then being able to love people, which is related to you having confidence toward God, which is related to you experiencing the fruit of the kingdom in your life. It, it's just a thread that goes straight through there. Do you see it? Not from a surface legalistic perspective, but at a heart level. What are you allowing to do? What are you allowing him to do in your life? Because Jesus paid for it, and you know it. You believe it. You might not be seeing it, so we're not, you know, it's not like you could just go, okay, I'm going to love people so I can get my prayers answered. It's really deeper than that. And, it, and, and so at this point, then it becomes something that you and the Holy Spirit have to then go work out. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, awe and respect toward Him. You're not to get saved, but you're 
working out the living out of the salvation that you have in Christ. And your heart and the condition of it and the receptivity of it and how much it lovingly responds to God and how much it can love others is related to you experiencing the ways of God working through you. So you have a choice, you know, what are you going to do? It can start at a surface level. Well, I'm going to be more loving toward people. Okay, I get that. Good luck. Good luck just saying, well, I'm going to be more loving. Okay, you're probably going to have to deal with that stuff from your past that's causing you to not believe on the name of the Son. But you can do it. He'll walk you through it. He'll love you straight through it. And if you want to know how to let Him love you straight through it, you just spend time meditating, thinking about reading on, studying what He did for you, what He accomplished in His death, burial, and resurrection. Does the work of the cross move you? Can you think about it in such a way that it's, you know, you get to a place of stillness and peace? And I'm not just talking about feeling something. I'm talking about at your deepest core, it's meaningful to you what He did for you because that starts to shape because what they did to you is, has shaped you. What that person did to you has shaped you. But have you let what God has done for you shape you? It's a big deal. And you becoming more loving and receptive toward people is a sign that you're becoming more receptive to allowing the kingdom to work through you. It's not the goal. It's a fruit. Amen? So let's stand up, if you would, please. Thank you for your patience. We went a little bit long, but I think it's important. So just put your attention on him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're, you're showing me something that I can take and I can actually put into practice. You're showing me maybe something from my past that's constricting my capacity to experience your love for me that's causing me to shut up my heart against others. And I didn't see that it was related to me being receptive to your kingdom, but I do now, and I don't want to limit your kingdom in me. I don't want to limit what you're trying to do through me because love is blocked from flowing through me. And I don't know how to make it work, but you do, so Holy Spirit, help me. Just tell him, thank you, Holy. I, I give you permission to work within me. I will take the steps that you lead. I thank you for leading me and guiding me. I put myself in your hands. And, you, and you've, had to, you've had to protect yourself. You've had to uh, put the walls up because it hurts too much. Father, I just thank you. No, no, no man, no woman can heal that. And there are people that are experiencing that right now. You're feeling it. It's a tug inwardly in this room and online. So Holy Spirit, we trust you. We just yield to you. You're alive. You're active. You're moving. And just see yourself. I just give you my heart. Just tell him, I give you my heart, Holy Spirit. I give you my life. I don't know what to do, but you do, and I trust you. Help me. I thank you that you're ministering healing even in this moment, Holy Spirit, that, that that supernatural change can happen in this moment, but also the beginning of a journey happens. We trust you. Just tell him that you trust him. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if you're in the room today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never believed on him for salvation, if you'd like to this morning for the first time, just, just lift up your hand so I can see it and wave at me. All right, and then maybe online there's somebody. We've got a video that will come on and walk you through. Reach out to us. Let us know. Holy Spirit, we love you. We trust you. We praise you. All right, now, everybody, open your eyes. Look up. Smile. Deep breath. Easy and light with Jesus. It's a heavy topic, but uh, all things are possible with him. Amen? Yeah.